Hi, this is Patricia. And this is Christina. And this is What They're Worth. A podcast exposing the truths of everyday people who are willing to enter the beautiful mess of foster care and adoption. We're glad you're here. Hello, everybody. We are here today. We are so excited because we have our first guest and she is just so giddy. Her name is Laura. We're <laughs> nervous. She's so awesome, but she she's doubting herself right now. Um, so we met Laura through. Did we meet her through Big Love? Did we meet her through Big yes, Love? Yes. Yes. So Big Love is a foster mom slash adopted mom mini retreat here in our city that we've all been on the planning committee for. And so we met her a couple years ago through that, and then she got us interested in oils. Oh, she, Nelly. Yes. <laughs> hook line and sinker. <laughs> and now we just love. Watching her on Instagram, and she is a super cool person. So we knew when we wanted to have a guest that we want to have Laura on because she's real. She has a lot of experience with it, and she's just a really fun person. So, Laura, will you just introduce yourself a little bit, um, who you are, what you do, what you like? Sure thing. First off, pretty awkward, but here we go. I'm just a pretty awkward person. Um, so yes, my name is Laura. I am married to my husband Joe. Um, we went to high school together and we're friends and then got married. Yep. That's cute. It was precious. And so we yeah, we have two kids. Noah is biological and he is nine. And Isla is adopted. She was adopted as a newborn um, domestic private infant adoption. And she is six, and so um, I stay home with them, and I do like essential oils a lot, so yeah. that is... That's like your That's hobby. my jam, yeah. That's so your hobby and your side work. hustle. Yeah, that's what it is. And so. you're very crafty. I, yeah, I do. Too. I love to do... Quilts. Yeah, I love... Stalker? This lady does a little <laughs> bit of... We can basically introduce Laura, because we are, like, adamant fans of her stories. Pretty like, we're not, like, we're not story skippers for her, so, like, she is doing everything all the time it seems like no pressure or anything <laughs> but yeah. yes i do like to sew and knit like i'm basically an 80 year old woman <laughs> in a 33 year old's body so but you're cool. i am cool and with you're it wearing ripped jeans. i'm yes. wearing ripped jeans i do have a lot of gray hair it's a whole thing anywho <laughs> so that is me all right we're excited to have you here tell us a little bit how you got started in foster care and adoption way backing the story up, um, about 20 years. So I was actually adopted by my aunt and uncle when I was 13. Did not know that See? either. Look at there. <laughs> and so, um, the concept of caring for other people's children, um, as your own just makes sense to me because that's how I was raised. So I, that was kind of where that was planted. And then we had talked a lot. Um, my husband and I were engaged about like, Oh, what is our life going to look like? And you know, like in premarital yeah. counseling, they're like, picture mm-hmm. yourself in five years. Mm-hmm. And I remember Joe was like, I would see you with kids. And I was like, oh my gosh, he sees me with kids. Like, I thought that was, like, so <laughs> precious. And um, and so I always knew I wanted to be a mom. So I had Noah um, about nine years ago, totally normal pregnancy and all that, um, and have not been able to have another pregnancy to carry to term since then. Um, and while we were going through the process of all these um, diagnoses and stuff, we just started talking about adoption again. And by the time we had answers, we had also already completed our home study. So we decided let's just go ahead and adopt. And so that was something that was always our plan, but that was sort of the timeline of it. So um, we adopted Isla. Like I said, she was a newborn infant adoption. And so they called us one day. I was driving home from getting my two-year-old from school. And they called and were like, 
are you sitting down? And I'm like, yes, but I'm sitting in a car. Do I need to pull over? And they're like, yes, please pull over. So I pull over the car, and they're like, well, um, you've been chosen by a birth mom. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, oh, like in a few months, like, we're going to have a baby. And they're like, no, 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 she's born. We need you to go get a car seat and meet us at our office to sign some papers, and then you go pick her up. And I was like, what? So apparently that is called a stork drop in the adoption community. Who knew? Certainly felt like one. Wow. So she um, came home with us that day. There were some weird legal things with that because her birth mom um, made her adoption plan and she had family members who didn't agree with it. Mm. So it's kind of a thing. Um, But then we adopted her and um, we both kind of just knew that this is not all that our family is going to be. And we, but yet it had been five years and there were no more kids. So we were like, well, we should open our home to whoever needs it. And if they come and go, that's fine. And if they come and they stay, that's fine. So that's kind of been our holding it loosely just been open. yeah so we are not actually a foster to there is like fostering with the intent to adopt mm-hmm. and fostering with the intent to foster we are actually just fostering with the intent to foster and if we had a child for a year or more we would discuss where that would go but um if they became available for adoption but our main goal to foster is reunification that's awesome yeah we Trisha and i when we talked about who we wanted to have on the show um it was really important that we had somebody who has been through reunification or, you know, getting a child taken away or whatever it might be, whatever the situation might be, because we haven't experienced that, so we can't really speak to it. Um, so, And, and not only big, have I... Sorry. Yeah. It's a big hesitation, you know, that a lot of people have toward doing foster care. For sure. Specifically is that, how am I going to handle that process? Um, and definitely, I don't know that everybody should handle that process. You know, and we talk about that a lot. There's plenty of kids who are legally free to be mm-hmm. adopted and yes. that's fine um but at the same time there's definitely a huge need for foster parents so we yes. wanted to hear your perspective your honest and real perspective on what's hard and beautiful about that because uh, it's definitely necessary oh it's for sure necessary and you are right there is like such a need i had no idea just in our county how much like how big the need was. Um, and when we went through our training classes and stuff, it really just opened my eyes to how many kids there are versus how many homes there are. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. Um, so I, it would be, you know, ideal for one child or, you know, the, the child and their siblings to be in one home together, and that's not always the case. Or families aren't able to take an older kid so they get separated or they, you know, can only take one so they – so anyway, it is tough. But, um, yes, it's interesting to talk about reunification today because our most recent foster daughter – was reunified today. Woo! <laughs> yeah, Laura literally texted us and said, "Hey, I'm 99% sure I can be there, but she, you know, she's leaving today, and the DSS worker isn't here yet." And Patricia was like, "How fitting that you so know." Fitting. <laughs> I live my life at the mercy of this the DSS foster care. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag this is foster care. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's so often that you can like you're at a place where. I'm sure that's still hard and like just being a human, but yet here you are. It's like, here I am being a human. Yeah. So yeah, we have, human. so we've been fostering for 18 months now and we've had eight kids total. Um, the shortest stay was about eight hours, came and spent the night and left the next morning. And we knew that. Did we they go to... back to their family or no. they went to a family place? They went to um, actually another foster home. They were special mm-hmm. needs and nonverbal. Gotcha. And oh, so okay. they um, needed a place to just spend the night while they found their actual foster home the next day so which by the way I don't know if people know that but that is another need is these very short term and and even shorter than respite like just overnight so that a Mm -hmm. caseworker doesn't have to get a hotel room and stay in a hotel room with a kid 
um, you know, just to have a, play, a bed to sleep in. So um, I know a lot of people don't know that you can get certified just to literally take someone to come spend the night one night. What is that called, though? I have no idea what that's called, <laughs> Christina. Okay, we'll, um, we'll find it and put maybe, it in the show notes. I mean, like emergency placements, yeah. I guess. But, yeah, so that's definitely neat. You would still get certified as a regular foster parent, just like with respite. Yeah. You can get certified and just do short-term respites. But anywho, and then our longest that stayed with us was just over six months. So they've been relatively short mm-hmm. compared to short, you guys. Compared yeah. to the, even the national averages yeah. and stuff. yeah. Our most recent little girl was with us for five weeks. So, yeah. So you've had eight and you've had eight go. Yes. None of them are still. None of them are you. as of this hour of this oh, day. This hour. So <laughs> she is currently on her way to her uncle. So I guess, is there one that sticks out that was the most challenging or stretching because of the situation? And obviously we can't go into like a ton of details. Right. But can you maybe talk about what made it? hard like what what you know what are those real challenges Mm -hmm. that people fear because you know we never want to be like oh it's not a big thing yeah because it's a big thing because it is it is hard so can you maybe just yes we have been pretty lucky that we felt pretty i mean good about most of the situations the kids Mm -hmm. have gone home to we have not yet had a situation where we feel like we have to fight for this child to have something better than what they have planned for them you know i feel like the kids that we've had have all um, left us and gone with um, with their parents, actually. Um, all but that one that I mentioned that went to another foster home. But had a couple infants, newborns from the hospital, and both of them actually left um, left us to go to... This is so cool, and I had no idea it existed. They left us to go with their moms to a um, inpatient family preservation program, which is awesome. It's like six months long. It's, like, so hardcore, though. There's, like, you can't leave the campus with your child. But the, the mom and the baby stay together, and they get to get their substance abuse treatment and their parenting classes and their job training and whatnot. And they can basically mm-hmm. go there for six months, and they graduate. And um, one of them, I mean, graduated with a job lined up, a place to live lined up, like, ready to start her life. So I thought that was amazing. So we felt really good about that because that's a giant safety net. And if um, mom decided to quit the program, the baby would have just come back to us. So that we felt really good about. Another girl, when she went home to her mom, they moved back towards where they had family support, so we felt awesome about that. Other ones, yeah, they all went home to a situation that we actually felt really good about. So we've been really lucky that we haven't had one where we really struggle. How do your kids handle those? Oh, my kids. (laughs) Everybody just say a little prayer for my husband. He's going to be putting our kids to bed tonight by himself. But um, So my daughter is six, and oddly enough, we have had three different seven-year-old girls with us um and so they get to be really good buddies and she takes it kind of the hardest when they leave so she looks at it as like it's a live-in play date you know it's like a friend and she's like sister friend like she gets all into it she's crazy but when they leave it is kind of like an adjustment for her she feels like her friend is gone and um, luckily we have been able to keep in touch with a lot of the kids so one one of the kids actually left this summer I'm a sibling set, and the sister came back for my daughter's birthday party um, the next month. So we still get to see them. We still have contact with the parents and all that. So really, we have been super lucky that there's nothing, that we have felt good about all the decisions made about these kids and the, and the ways in which they've been reunified. So maybe talk about that a little bit, too, like talking with the birth family. Because a lot of people are also very, like, edgy about that. Like, oh, there should be no contact. Yeah. Um... Like, has that ever been awkward or weird? Or, or if it's been successful, like, why do you think it's right. been successful? Well, we um, sort of, we have an open adoption with our daughter, so we are already used to this whole 
other parent situation, you know, and this mindset of, you know, visiting with them and talking with them and everything. So um, I also think it's helped our kids, actually, um, because they can see, like, oh, little Susie. No one's name was Susie. But little Susie, <laughs> you know, this is little Susie's mom. And they meet her, and they're like, oh. And so in their brains, they make this connection, like, oh, this child is, belongs with this mm-hmm. person, and that's the goal here. So I think a lot of it is just going into it really open-minded and remembering that, like, these are their kids. Like, whether it's um, – if they are working a plan to get them back, this is their child, um, whether it's straight from the hospital and, um, you know, it was a situation where the baby was born under not ideal circumstances and maybe there was drugs involved. And even though you feel like, oh, they've made all these mistakes, like we, we've been really intentional about making sure that we are thinking of them as like still, they are still the parent, you know, like I said, with our cases, they all have worked their plan and gotten their children back. So, um, and I know that's not always the case, but just remembering um, that we all make mistakes, and some of them, some of these people have made some really bad mistakes. I mean, when you have your children taken from you, it's got to be something pretty extreme. But I don't know. I just they're not as scary, I guess, as I imagined it would be. Yeah. You know, you have this picture in your mind from TV or movies about what foster care is and who the foster kids are, and I think these are just kids who have had something really terrible happen to them of, by no fault of their own. Um, and sometimes it's just because of one bad choice by a parent or a family member. Um, and, and sometimes I think it's just, it's just keeping in mind that, you know, having grace with them and having patience with them, because also every single, you know, biological family of the kids that we've had comes from a completely different background than us in many different ways. Um, some from other countries, um, some speak other languages and just they're, they're different from us, but they're still you know, a part of that child. And so trying to honor the parents, I guess, as we're trying to help and making sure the kids know we're not trying to replace your parents. We are just, we are the parents in this house. So if you, you know, that's what I tell when they come, I say like, I'm the mom here. So if there's anything you would go to your mom for, you come to me. And some of the kids immediately start calling me mom because some, it's sad, but for some kids, that's just a title. Like the adult woman in the room is mom. So all but one of our kids have called me mom, which Hmm. people think is weird and it probably is, but there's got to be some attachment. I don't know, something going on there. But, anywho, so, rambling. Yeah, no. So, <laughs> I'm really interested to hear how, like, what are the steps you take, especially with the older children, to prepare them for, for reunification? Like, do you sit down and, like, have a conversation with them? Um, how, how do you go about Or how much does DSS do? Because yeah. I know in, in my experience, hmm. preparing, even, like, preparing my boys for adoption, I would think... That would be something that when they come every month, they should be talking to my boys about. Mm. Not necessarily Not the really case. at all. Um, so I noticed, like, that I've had to do a lot of that work of, like, do you really understand what adoption means? Like, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm curious how much is that on you? Yeah. Kind yeah, of a lot of that, I guess. I never thought of that. But, yeah, a lot of that. Because they are hearing, you know, we do have visits. The parents have visits with their kids. And so, you know, they're telling the kids, I'm going to get you back and next week. And hopefully, and that's not always true. But mm-hmm. they are telling them, you know, um, this is the plan. I'm going to do this. And I'm actually not sure how much DSS and the caseworkers talk with them. Um, the guardian, that litem that comes to visit with them and meets with them, will explain what's going on and ask them questions and say, you know, how do you feel? Who do you want to live with? Um, if you could choose anybody in the world to live with, who would you live with? Which is kind of a hilarious question to ask a six-year-old because, like, they say the craziest things. <laughs> but it's like, okay, but of your Dr. options Mama. here. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> um, but, 
Yeah, we've had to do a lot of that. Just explaining to them, like, okay, you've talked to your mom, and she said that you're going home next week. Well, that's a really great plan, and that might be her plan, but really it ultimately comes down to the judge and letting them know, I can make a plan, and I can have an idea, and the caseworker may have an idea, and your mom may want this to happen, but really... What's gonna what it's gonna come down to is what the judge decides. So just kind of getting with them and making sure they understand that we don't know anything until it's for sure. Um, but yeah, just letting them know as soon as we have a plan that I would tell them as soon as I knew anything. That way they don't feel like I know something they don't know. Um, that was kind of tricky. We had one case where the kids came from another family member, not from their mom, and they weren't sure if they were going home to mom or home to that family member. And it was kind of tricky. And you know, they're family member was saying one thing, their mom was saying another thing, the caseworker was saying another thing, and I think it's just, I just try to be super transparent with them that, like, I don't know right now, you know, like, I don't know how this is going to end up or, um, you know, how it's all going to work out, but as soon as I know anything for sure, I will tell you, like, no, I'm not keeping any secrets. We've been really lucky, too, with the long, the kids who stayed with us the longest, they had a really long transition period, which, in hindsight, was great in the moment was sort of terrible because they would, um, they'd been with us about four months and they started transitioning home. So they would go to their mom's house on the weekend and then they'd come back to us for the week for a whole month. And then the next month we did a week with her, a week with us, a week with her, a week with us. And so leading up to this next court date, which ended up being the last court date, um, which like I'm sure from a professional standpoint and like, developmentally and attachment wise this is a very smart plan but like (laughs) day to day like dealing with that was really hard um I'm glad that they did it that way in the long run but in the moment it was just really crazy yeah just so that they understood um you know that this is the goal we're trying to get you here but we're going to do it slowly like you're going to go spend a weekend and then come back and then but then it it was really hard I think I think it was good for the kids but I think it was hard for the kids um because they definitely understood by the second or third visit that like, okay, this is what we're working towards. And one of the kids was a dream from then on out because she understood like, oh, we're going here and they mean what they say. And um, they said we're going and here we are going. Um, Whereas the other little guy, he didn't get why he couldn't just stay with his family. So he would freak out every time he came back and cry and wet the bed and it was a whole thing. And so um, that, but I I do in hindsight realize that that was really lucky that we had that um, transition period. Um, others we haven't we've just like today (laughs) we went to court yesterday and they said we will move the girls as soon as you know we have xyz signed off on and i'm like okay so today i'm just like waiting for my phone to ring and then i get a text it's like i'll be there at 4 15 to get her and they were there at 5 45 to get her but (laughs) it worked out i guess transition periods would be great and i think that helps the kids and um, i think the caseworkers in dss do kind of explain that to them a little as to how that's going to work but so do their parents so there's a lot of input you know from everyone to the kids so I think just kind of helping them sort through it and understand what's for sure and what's not for sure yet is that's I mean I don't know if that's right but that's what we do (laughs) so this is a very specific question but my mind works like this (laughs) um and so if I were considering foster care and this was my fear yeah today when she left do you say when she leave they leave your house do you, is there anything you have like something you Closure. usually say oh, i don't have something i say but i have something i do okay yeah. um okay yeah. so there's this book you can find it on amazon it's called love you from right here and it is a picture book and it kind of talks about 
it, it's a book about foster care, but it's just different scenarios. When you're over there, I'm going to love you from here. And when you're sad, I'm going to be sad with you right here. And then I'm going to be happy with you and celebrate from here. And then at the end of the book, it shows little girl leaving with a caseworker. And it says, and when you go over there, I'll still love you from right here. And it's really sweet. And then in the back of the book, it's got three or four pages where you can put pictures and notes. And it says, like, what did I like to do when I was here? And what kinds of food did I eat? And what are the dates that I was here? So it turns it into a memory book. So I ordered like 12 of them on Amazon. <laughs> and my husband's like, really? How many kids do you think are coming through here? But hey, I almost need to order more now. Yeah. So joke's on him. That's a really good one, I think. And um, I do give it to them before they go and we read it. So we sat down this afternoon and read it and looked through the pictures and um, all the things and said, oh, do you want to add anything to it? And then in the back of the book, I do put my cell number um, because I already text with their mom and everything. And I want the kid to know that they can, um, you know, have my number there if they need to call or if they want to call. But usually, I mean, with all, with every single kid, um, except one who moved out of the country, we still have contact with the parents. And I could text them today and be like, hey, how are they doing? And and hopefully they'd respond to me. They have before. With what do you say, that is really hard because I feel like it's an awkward moment where, like, the caseworker's there and we're all trying to say bye. But, like, you know, they... Um, no, it's we just you know we love you and yeah. give them a hug and are your kids usually there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've not had anybody leave while our kids weren't home, which yeah. is good because yeah. I feel like that would be great. Sure. What about like stuff? Yeah, like what stuff do they take with them? Girl, like, they take all their stuff. So I just feel like if you have multiple kids and things. Yes, girl, it is a big old trip with my car filled up with stuff, and they get bikes. Like at our house, we usually go to to the so foster take... care closet. They take their bikes. Okay. Um, every, all the clothes they've gotten, all the toys they've gotten, um, all of their artwork they have made. I mean, they take everything. So anything, you know, that we've bought for them or that people have given us for them, we send it home. Yeah. Um, I think the only exception is like a lunchbox because it's just our lunchbox that the extra kid <laughs> uses. But I mean, you know, anything that we have given yeah. that is theirs, they take with them. Mm -hmm. So it is, I mean, like when they pulled out of the driveway today, that everything was full except the seats that we're sitting in. So huh. it's crazy. You loaded them up. For sure. This is backpedaling a little bit. Do it. So when you get a placement mm -hmm. and they're having visits, are the social workers giving you the contact of the parents? And do the social workers encourage that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They do so encourage. I've never had that. I haven't had yeah. that. So I'm just wondering, yeah. like, are they like, here's our number? Yep. Like, they'd love to hear from you. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. They and do encourage, um, I don't know about every county, but um, our county has said, and people definitely take different approaches to this. Some people are not yeah. okay with it, and that's fine. Um, cause I know that some people have had some really weird things happen with birth families and it makes them feel, um, like they are not willing to be all that open with them. Um, and so I think, so I understand where they're coming from, but, um, we, you know, they will just ask for mom's cell number and if she texts and we'll text her and we'll send pictures like every day, just like send them pictures and stuff just to keep them updated on what the kids are doing. But yeah, the County definitely, um, would encourage that the whole, like, I mean, it's not co-parenting, but it kind of is. Do you they know? encourage you seeing them outside of their visits? Or do no, they want you to? Okay. So we that's well, kind of where the line is. And maybe that has just been the situations we have, um, because all of our kids have been court-ordered to only have supervised visits, so they can only see them at the, the DSS, DSS office. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but they could talk on the phone, or they could FaceTime, or anything like that. But, like, they, um, they can only see and, like, physically visit them with DSS supervision. 
do the parents want to talk to them every day? Like, are they blowing up your phone? Oh, sometimes they do. Sometimes and you just have do. to set, we just yeah. have to set boundaries, you know, just to say like, you know, um, they text and say, can she call? And I'm like, well, no, we're eating dinner right now, but we can call right before bed. Or, um, you know, I'll text and be like, well, we've only got five minutes because we stayed up late doing this, but she can call and say goodnight. And I mean, really, all of the parents we've had so far have been very respectful of that. They have not fought that. Um, they understand that we have our whole life separate from talking on the phone with them, even though I'm sure they'd love to talk to their kids all day long. Um, but yeah. And there was like, we had a couple situations where I would set out my phone on like voice recorder to like, and, and I do have the kids call on speakerphone just because yeah. I need to know what's being said. Um, and parents have been okay with that. So do you tell them that like, I'm going to have it on speakerphone or are you, I think, the mm, I don't know how to say it, but I'm sure they can tell. Cause I'm usually sitting there and I'll, she'll say, you know, if a mom says something, I can You'll be like, I'll like answer, answer yeah. you know, with her and stuff. So, um, but yeah, that's sort of just the way I want to make sure that there's appropriate conversation happening right. and all that. So that's how we do it. Don't that's know if that's always right, but no, yeah. I've learned a ton. Yeah. It's opened up my mind. It's I so different from our experience. Yeah. And I guess maybe because they knew our children weren't really headed towards reunification. We, that wasn't ever encouraged for us, even though, I mean, we know that's going to be in our future. But, yeah, it's so very different. It was never like, hey, reach out to her. And it or... could have just been, too, like our situations and the way they worked out. Yeah. Because um, all of our kids, too, it's the first time they've ever been in foster care. Um, whether they were because were they were first place. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's unique, too. Yeah. So they had never been in foster care before or they were straight from the hospital. So they're obviously working a reunification plan because of that. So mm-hmm. and, and pretty actively. Like, I mean, pretty We've not had anybody really lollygag. Like they they are told what to do well, and no, they get it done. Six months. Yeah, yeah, or five weeks. Well, today they didn't go to a parent. <laughs> they went to an uncle, but still, I mean, um, so yeah, it's been it's definitely a different situation, and you know, that's just kind of what we figured. We just open our home to like whoever needs it and yeah. however long they need it. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea that we would ever have a placement that lasted eight hours, but okay, <laughs> that's what was needed, yeah. and we said whatever's yeah. needed. Um, so, yeah. It really goes to show, though, that everybody's experiences are so different. Oh, so different. Because someone else with eight placements, you know, would have so many different. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, it's hard to even represent that in the media because, you know, I haven't even seen that movie, Instant Family. I have. I liked it. I laughed a lot. Like, at times when no one else was laughing. (laughs) It's probably because you relate on the deep it's true. <laughs> and, like the media, and sometimes the media is doing a great job, like on This Is Us. Like, yeah. I think that's a pretty good mm. job. But still, that's only one very mm. right. specific situation, and people interpret that and are like, ooh, I couldn't handle that. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah. you don't know what your that is going to be. True. And you can have more control over what your that will be if you wanted to. You've mm-hmm. been, like, super open and... That's what God has done, but you can also be like, no, this is kind of what I'm here for. Right. I want these. And it they, and it's weird too because things could have gone a many different ways. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if there wasn't an available family member for our little girl who left today to go to, like, she would still be with us until mom did her plan, and it could be a really long while. So, you know, just having the family support that she had is the reason why she was with us for such a short time. Um, the first foster placement we ever had had zero family support. Zero. Like the only, I think the only reason she ended up in foster care is because there was no one her mom could call and say, I need you to come get this child. Um, and so I think that makes a huge difference too. And it just could, something that could have been a very long-term thing ended up being very short. So 
Yeah, every, oh, it's all so different, like crazy. That's one thing that I think people are like, well, what's it like? And I'm like, there's literally no way I can describe this to you. Like, every single situation is so different. Every single kid is so different. You just kind of got to be like, all right, I'll be willing to try this. I'll be willing to do this. And Well, and I think your approach has been being real, being honest, you know, not hiding things from the kids, mm-hmm. and also seeing the humanity in everybody that's involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we've kind of touched on that stuff in previous episodes, but I think that's the theme that keeps coming up and people who do this and like don't burn out and who are passionate about it. Oh, Nellie. Those are the theme and not that and it's okay to take a break. Yes, it is okay to take a break, everybody. Take a break. Do it. Those are the themes that I hear. It's that that open handedness Mm -hmm. and that I'm not going to fake or expect it to be something more than just what it is. Yeah. And I'm not going to like judge and condemn people yeah like I'm gonna be open to people as well I think too just for like one of the things that I was thinking about before we came over here to chat in the closet um (laughs) was just about how we just that whole idea of how do you let them go when like I mean none of our kids are really ours like Mm -hmm. in general in life Mm -hmm. like they're just they're we're not, I'll preach y'all. Um, cause we're not guaranteed any time with any of these kids. So like, I think just remembering that and just being willing to do our part and what's asked, because even if I did have a situation where I didn't feel good where that kid was going, I think I just have to feel this, like, well, I did my part. Like my job was mm-hmm. not, and thank goodness my job is not to make the decisions. I do not <laughs> want that job at all. Because there's been a lot of times where I'm like, I have literally no idea what is best for this child. So luckily my job as a foster parent is just to care for the child that's in my home and love them and take care of them and make sure that they are safe and then just trust that I mean this sounds overly simplistic but this is just what we've had to do you know and trust that what's going to happen is not our decision to make it's not it's out of our hands and that God will protect the kids Mm -hmm. and if they have to come back they can come back and um that's just trying to be making sure I know my role I think that's where it can get tricky is if we feel like Good old boundaries. Yes, good old boundaries. Because I feel like I could very easily be like, well, my role should be judge because I'm going to tell you what I think, you know, or or it should be lawyer, you know, but. Yeah, I think that's good advice um, to people who are maybe hesitant to foster but feel that calling but don't want to because of this fear of reunification. I mean, I think that might be one of the biggest things I hear as a foster parent. Can I do one rant? Yeah, go for it. I love ranting. Okay, so. (laughs) When please don't tell a foster parent, I don't know how you ever let yes. them go. Yes. How do you let them go? Y'all, my husband is a really quiet person and he doesn't say it a lot, but when he does, it's usually funny or profound. <laughs> and this was kind of both because someone was like, I just, he was holding like our, the like newborn foster baby we had. And somebody was like, I just don't know how you give them back. And he was like, well, if I didn't, that would be kidnapping. <laughs> like, this is not my child so like right, that's right. how I give them back because my that's my role is just to care for them and then hand them back so I think that's that, a good response that's great. Like, I know right that that's, lightens the mood yeah. but then like gets the point across right right like because I'm not trying to steal all these babies like I'm just trying to help and it really just a lot of these places have felt like an extended play date you know mm-hmm. just like a really long and sometimes by the end of the play date you're ready for that kid to go home you know <laughs> right. um you're you're, t- you're ready you're like come on get your kid but um I think that that's one thing that every time people say it, like, I just don't know how you give them back. I just wouldn't have the heart. And there's also a little bit of where I'm, like, kind of like, ooh, 
you think I'm heartless because I can? Like, right. it's definitely yeah, hard. That's true. But I feel like that, it feels kind of like a backhanded compliment because it's like, yeah. I don't know. Well, it, it would it be kind me. of heartless to not. steal the yeah. child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, to kidnap it. Want, and, you know. and I think it comes down to a couple things, but I think one of them is people's misinterpretations of why, the, the majority of why kids go into foster care. Mm-hmm. And I was reading something today on Instagram. Like how most foster children aren't put into foster care because of like a mom who doesn't care. It's it, it's like a specific situation or they don't have the resources or like mm-hmm. you were kind of mentioning earlier about mm-hmm. the one family not having a family really right. and just not having like we all have that sometimes. I mean, when I went to through birthing classes for my biological child, one thing they said was like have a 15-minute friend who could be over in 15 minutes when your baby's just driving you crazy. Mm-hmm. Like have somebody you can call who can just come over and relieve you for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so no matter the situation, like if you don't have that, I mean as human beings, as mothers, as fathers, whatever, mm-hmm. I mean, there are those moments where you're just like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. And and I think most of us are so privileged that we have somebody, whether that's one person or a community of parents, that we can just say, like, I'm struggling. Can you just come over and just be with me so that I can we can kind of parent these kids together yes, for like for, for like 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. Um, and and to have, I can't even imagine what it'd be like to have zero mm-hmm. you know yeah. and and I think that just it comes down to people just thinking that all biological parents of, of foster of foster children are some horrible drug addicted yeah. killing whatever it might be person and that and that's really not the case so when we yeah. when we think of foster care the goal is to rehabilitate mm-hmm the parents, the biological parents, and reunify them. Yeah. Because I feel like, I mean, literally all of us are, like, five bad decisions away from being in that situation. That's what I'm saying. Or less, honestly. Like, I think, you know, I think that that's, it's all, it's really crazy. Because it's just, it's just circumstance. Like, I can totally see, like, the the situations that we've had and the reasons these kids came into care, like, I see how step A led to step B to step C, and that's how they ended up in foster care. It's not like... Some horrible, you know... I would hate to be judged on that one bad day right. where I didn't have anybody else. Right. Right. <laughs> because I think that's the majority of when these kinds of things yeah. happen. Or yeah. people who struggle with addiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not everybody has access to a community that will right. help them and right. will, you know, help them get the help they need. And then then right. they lose their children because of it. So yeah. it's really... That is super sad. And the other... I mean, the other side of the coin is that statistically we know children do better when they're with yeah. biological family, mm-hmm. um, if that can be possible, if right. that can yeah. happen in a healthy way. And, I mean, from my experience, not having to reunify, but not having that option, mm-hmm. that that door being shut by the time my kids came to my home, and I can see the ache in my mm-hmm. kids that they want that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want, I, you know, I don't have any control to make that ever happen for them. But you want that for But them. I wish it could, because I can see that, like, even if, you know, people, like, say, like, you're the best thing that could happen to them or something. I believe that I might be the second best. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm, in an ideal circumstance. I'm saying that, like, I believe yeah. I'm a good family for them. But, but ideally, you wouldn't I'm even need to be a factor. I'm never going to be that. Right. You know? And, and it's and so it hard. Me. It's hard to voice that to people because when they give you a compliment, like, 
they're so lucky to have you. And like, okay, they're fortunate that I'm here to take I care of them. I watch them hurt because but, they have but to at have the same time, right. every day. Yeah. Like. So it's hard to communicate <laughs> that to people who aren't foster parents or who haven't experienced that before because you don't want to seem a martyr. Like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm a horrible person. But at the same time, you want them to understand. It's not, not the, ideal. Yeah, it's like, not the ideal situation. The ideal situation is for. I think them I want together. a shirt that says. Not awesome, just willing. Because Ooh, like, I like that. Snaps, snaps, I think my good, friend Paige good. actually said something very similar to that because people are always, especially with foster parents, they're like, "You're so awesome. You're so awesome. You're so great." And I'm like, "No, you can come over and watch me yell at all these yeah. kids anytime you want. Like, I don't have extra patience. I don't have any more. You know, I take a lot of timeouts. For yeah. real, we all take timeouts from each other. Like, there's so many kids, and so they all talk, and so there's just so much words, and like, I can't so handle much it. Words. <laughs> But, you know, it's like, no, I'm not awesome. Just ask my family, (laughs) you know, like, but I am willing to just, you know, take on and see what I could do to help. Because, I mean, I think, I mean, like we talked about, any, anybody can do any part of this, you know, whether it is supporting a foster family. And I know that that's something that a lot of people want, are like, oh, I want to help with kids in foster care, but I don't want to foster. Okay, well, you can, you know, we talked about overnight care. We could do respite care. You know, if you don't want to have anything to do with the actual kids, you can help support the foster families. You could donate to the foster care closet. You can send small increments of gift cards to DSS because all these caseworkers feed these kids out yeah. of their pocket when they are taken, you know, at mealtime from where they're going to go to their next place. And so there's so many ways to help with foster kids without having to foster kids. My daughter remembers specifically that she went to McDonald's the night she came here. Like, that's a memory when yeah. you recount her coming here. She's like, I remember we went to McDonald's for the, for the social worker, and huh. I was eating my fries. I mean, it's yeah. like, it seems like such like a small thing, mm-hmm. but it, in those moments, nothing's small to them. Like, right. You know, that's that's important, too. I, I haven't even thought about telling people to do that, to, to donate to those social workers who yeah. are... Like a ten dollar so McDonald's gift card. Yeah, seriously. This was awesome. Yes. And I really learned a lot. Me Is too. there anything on this topic that you felt we didn't get to, or if you just want to tie it up in a pretty bow and give your final word. This is foster care, you don't tie it up with a pretty bow, <laughs> sure Patricia. You, you tie up your thought about it okay. with a pretty bow. I think to to tie up my to oh so eloquently <laughs> tie up um, my thoughts with a pretty bow. I mean I think just not being afraid of what you don't know about. I think that... Preach. I think... I just preached myself. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think that um, the fear is of the unknown. You know, like, we don't... Oh, we don't know what this parent is capable of. We don't know what... Look what they've done. Look at these choices they've made. They're still people. They still deserve the chance to get their children back, and they deserve you to support them in doing that. Like, they don't need you fighting against them, too. Um, so that's kind of, like, my big old soapbox about fostering. Like, if you're fostering, like, you got, if, if possible, like you're saying, sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes that ship has already sailed. But if these parents are working, they already have so much, you know, working to get their kids back. They already have so much working against them. I think that I just don't want to be a barrier. I want to make sure that I'm being helpful, whether that's to keep with the communication and the text and stuff, keeping the line of communication open with them so their kid knows, I'm not trying to take you from your mom. I'm not trying to replace your mom. I want you guys to be back together. That's the goal we're working towards. And just not being afraid to step out and say, you know, this is, here I am. I'm here to help. What can I do to help you? I mean, we've sent... You know, one of our foster parents got her kids back, and then she wanted to move to another town. I started helping her look for a place to rent. 
Like, we just, like, we're, we just want to support them because I definitely don't want kids going home to a bad situation. Like, none of that even adds up. Like, you just want it to be... And you don't want them to leave again. Right. And I don't yeah. want them to have to leave again yeah. and come back to us. Um, so I think that's just the main thing. It's that's just great. don't be afraid of what you don't know. Um, all these circumstances are just so... There's so many details and there's so many things we don't know. But if our goal in this is to foster, to reunify then um, we just need to make sure that we're helping that process happen and not hindering it mm-hmm. because we feel One selfish, you know? Yeah. It would be very easy to be like, oh, this cute baby, I wish you could stay with me forever, right? But you're not my kid, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, just remembering that um, and just to not be afraid. That's awesome. Great. Thanks for Thank you. sharing all Maybe of we'll that. have to have you back again because yeah. there's so much more. But she has about. so many different – we chose this because this was a very, like, common question or, like, fear, but there are so many different things I'd love to talk to you about, but – Maybe another day. But yeah, thank you for coming on and hanging with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody.